You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This is Mandy from CasterQuest, and we're inviting you to join us as we explore Patrick Rothfuss's best-selling fantasy series, The Kingkiller Chronicle. You can find CasterQuest at CasterQuest.com, on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, or at our podcast network at ESOPodcast.com. Research and Chandrian, Ambrose Jack is dumb, loading Dennis on a date. Master Kilvin, old ass man, a selling lamps to folks in Emray, Will and Sim and Deox, Danchin, Tabalin the Great. Hello, and welcome again to the Monster Sci-Fi Show Podcast. I am your host, The Monster, back to give you another installment of my normal sci-fi news program that I do by myself, and this is the very first one for 2019, so I'm really excited to get this finally started, and hopefully get to do this more often on a regular basis, especially the sci-fi news stuff. Because again, Gene and I have really tough schedules at times, so I still have to do this for myself, for my own sanity at the very least. So it is to your benefit that you get to hear my podcast, because if you don't, I'm internalizing all that nerdiness, and it will just ooze out of me if you just cut me. Do I not nerd when you cut me? I don't know what the hell that means. All right. So, as always, if you listen to past podcasts or sci-fi news segments, I have three big topics. Sometimes I do in addition to a little review. So, in this case, since I'm finally caught up, sort of, with Star Trek Discovery... They were small shorts that came out, and there was four of them. So after the big three news items I'm going to be talking about, I will be talking about a small mini review of those shorts. And I'm trying something new in which I'm trying to break down my segments into like nine-minute segments. There will be more news about that later, but I'm trying to fit in ads basically into a segment like that. So... Before I get started, what are the big three topics I'm going to be talking about? Well, Star Trek Four is finally on hold and it's been shelved for now. Uh, there's been news about Ghostbusters 3. Did I say Ghostbusters? No, it's Ghostbusters. What am I thinking? And uh, Spider-Man far from home the trailer finally dropped and i will be talking about the trailer as well as some thoughts about the trailer so we'll see what i have to say about that but we will be talking about a couple of a lot of news items again not really big items to talk about but i just want to briefly mention them but putting all that aside last night this is being Saturday, last night being Friday. Um, you know, I cooked dinner and my wife and my daughter started to play Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And if you know the story, is that because both of them 
are big fans of this movie, I cannot sit with them because they know pretty much every goddamn line before it even gets uttered. So before I even have a moment to laugh and enjoy myself, they're really jumping on those lines. So they promised me, assured me even, no, this will not happen because they're eating dinner while we're watching this movie. Now, if you know the movie, it's King Arthur on his quest to find knights for his round table. And the first encounter that Arthur had, it was, oh, um, the, the, the guard on the, on a, in the castle was saying, um, what are you doing with those coconuts? It's like, Basically, because Patsy was the one that's making a little clappy noise to make it sound like they're galloping on a horse, but they're not. So it came into, well, where did you find those? And Arthur says, well, we found them along the way. So basically, that was the line where roughly to that effect, my wife broke in and I'm like, that's it. You, you couldn't even last like five minutes and you already broke into that. Mind you, you know, we had corn on the cob, but I figured... You know, we'll be busy chomping on that. Nope. No more than five minutes into the movie, that happened. <sighs> so, tried once more, and I was assured, because now my wife left the room to continue watching the movie. And now that Arthur got his knights, they visit another castle, and this time it was uh, a French guard. And basically, he was taunting them and making, you know, whatever your mother smells of elderberries or whatever, and then goes, throws them a raspberry. And that's what my daughter started to do. And I'm like, that's it. I can't even enjoy a simple raspberry. I can't watch this movie with them. I think I literally have to be in another state, in a different time zone, in order to watch this damn movie with them. Because it makes no sense whatsoever to do this. Look, I don't mind having kind of like a Rocky Horror-style type of situation where people jump in and have fun. I would like to kind of get through this movie just once. <laughs> through it all without me having someone else comment about what is about to happen it drives me nuts and i get it but even when i'm nerdy i try to kind of tone it back if someone is not there uh who has never seen it whatever that is i'm not going to try to spoil it i just can't <laughs> all right so enough of me complaining all right so Real quick, we have Aquaman reaching $1 billion, which I'm very happy to hear. I mean, we live in an age where not only do we have an Aquaman movie, not only do we have an Aquaman movie that's good, but an Aquaman movie that's good and made a billion dollars. That is impressive. I just, I cannot believe that. I'm, I'm floored by that very idea. So, um, the other thing like saw last Sunday, The Simpsons had an opening where Thanos came in and he had the Infinity Gauntlet. So, you know how The Simpsons sit on the couch at the very end? Well, Maggie took out uh, her pacifier, put it into the gauntlet, made the family disappear, and Maggie sat on the couch with Thanos and Jim Starling, who created the character, 
took a picture of himself next to this TV with that image. I'm like, it was really fantastic. Really happy about that. Uh, news coming up for Disney Plus. There's possibly going to be a Lady Sif series. Okay. We wanted to have her as, you know, a new Xena uh, warrior princess type TV series. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take it for what it is. Um, the other thing is that because of Trump's idea of having Space Force, looks like Netflix is possibly going to make a new series with Steve Carell dealing with the people behind the scenes in order to make Space Force happen. So I think that's going to be fantastic. I like the idea and considering how well like The Office does on Netflix and you know how Netflix kind of really is smart about the type of program they need because of the audience they attract, that's where it kind of makes perfect sense. So, um, And lastly, Michelle Yao. I love Michelle Yao. But CBS is going to be possibly spinning that character from Star Trek Discovery into Section 31 all by itself. Is that a good thing? I, I will be talking about that hopefully when we do the Star Trek Discovery uh, season premiere episode with uh, Mr. Gene and Tony. But uh, I think it might be okay. But again, I'll save my thoughts for another time. So for right now, I'm coming up on my first break. Do you enjoy TV shows, movies, video games, comics, or novels? Do you enjoy listening to people discuss geeky topics without getting bent out of shape when they disagree? If you do, then the 42 cast is right for you. We're a podcast with a rotating cast of guests that discusses a new topic every week. You can find us on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, or 42cast.com. You can also support us and the entire ESO network by going to patreon.com slash ESO network. That's the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. All right, so let's continue with the lack of Star Trek 4 that's going to happen. I am deeply sad that this is not going to happen, at least for right now. Who knows what will happen in the future, but right now, this future, this timeline, it is on hold. So, originally, S.J. Clarkson, who was originally going to be scheduled to direct this, basically is no longer on this project, and she's working off on the Game of Thrones spinoff, the prequel pilot, basically. So this kind of boils down to the salary that Chris, both Chris's, Chris Helmsworth and Chris Pines wanted to have for their appearance in the next Star Trek movie. Now, as I said before, if you can't afford two Chris's, get the one Chris that does count. And we all know what that is. And it's not Chris Helmsworth. Because Chris Pine is Captain James T. Kirk. Yes, he is George Kirk Helmsworth. But you can get around that. But, uh, yeah. I'm kind of bummed by that news. But again, not that surprised. Considering the poor box office performance of Star Trek Beyond, but honestly, Star Trek Beyond was actually better than 
Star Trek Into Darkness, and it's only because Star Trek Darkness was kind of piggybacking off the success of the first Star Trek movie from 2009 that J.J. Abrams directed. So it's no wonder that with luster box office that this is not going to go forward. And honestly, you know, Star Trek is kind of in a weird lull. Um, We do have Star Trek Discovery back on the air right now. And as I mentioned earlier, there's going to be a spinoff series with Michelle Yao for Section 31. And there's also going to be a Picard series, which we don't know much in the way of the details. And on top of all that, Kurtzman's planning to do Alex, Alex Kurtzman, Kurtzman um, an animated series, too. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on, at least on for TV. So maybe it will be too much. But then again, the idea of the having the Star Trek movie for the fourth one was that the adventure was Kirk going back somehow in time, meeting with his dad or something to that effect in which it fixes the Kelvin timeline and basically unifies that breach. And I would be kind of okay with that, but of course, that's not going to happen now. So, oh well. All right, so the next item up for bid, it is another Ghostbuster movie. Ghostbusters 3. Did I just say Ghostbusters again? God damn it. Ghostbusters 3. All right. There was a small little mini trailer that just came out, or a teaser trailer, in which you hear that kind of like the, um, I want to say Bernie Wrightson. I'm blanking on the composer's name. Elmer Bernstein. I think Elmer, Elmore Bernstein, if I remember correctly, sorry, is the composer of the first uh, Ghostbuster movie. And you hear that kind of score again playing in which there's some kind of like it's a farmhouse and it's really a dark and stormy night, so to speak, in which uh, the camera keeps on going in and going in and again. And then there is this object that's being covered and the wind blows it up. And then we see Ecto-1, basically. It's the original Ghostbusters uh, vehicle that they traveled in, in the first two, actually. Uh not so much in the Ghostbusters one with the with the all female cast. Look, I can enjoy the first one immensely. I can detest the second one and not be bothered ever again. As far as the female Ghostbusters, that was a big disappointment and a big letdown. So from what I've been reading is that there's going to be a brand new team that gets, I guess, finds actor one. And it's kind of like, but it seems like young ish. So I'm like, are we doing stranger things with ghostbusters now? Uh, it's not coming out to 2020, which is okay. Fine. Whatever. I, I think that if we're going to be tapping, this new franchise and i know how toxic fans can get you need to kind of let that old crap go i'm sorry you don't need to have bill murray you don't need to have dan Aykroyd. you don't need to have anyone 
just let it go. Let a new audience find its Ghostbusters and let that be their Ghostbusters. Uh, we'll see what happens from this point on because everyone crapped all over the female Ghostbusters. So, and it wasn't like it wasn't justified, but it was just not fair with the comments they were saying. Judge it on what you got and which was not a good movie, not on the looks or how it's ruined the franchise. It was just not a good movie to begin with. So we'll see what happens because the first director, Ivan Reitman, um, is his son, Jason, is going to be directing this. So we'll see how it goes from this point on. We can only see. All right. Now, the last bit of news I'm going to talk about is the Spider-Man Far From Home <laughs> trailer. Look, I enjoyed the trailer, and that's it. I have no qualms about the trailer itself. I have the issue with the timing of when this movie or this trailer came out. I know as a comic book fan, and many of you know, no one ever stays dead. Everyone comes back some way, some fashion. We get that. The fact that we're supposed to get a Captain Marvel movie, the Avengers Endgame movie, and then Spider-Man movie, at least could you not have waited until after the Avengers movie came out and then revealed that Spider-Man came back. And not spoilers, Nick Fury's back. Spider-Man is back. Come on. That really irks the hell out of me more than anything else is the fact of the timing. And it's not as if people are not waiting for another Spider-Man movie. That, no, you need to put it out, what, three or four months ahead of time? No. I think because of what they did with the first one, and since you're coming off the Avengers movie... You can just kind of ride that coattail a bit and, and save on the marketing. You really can. I, I just think that this is something that you should not have done this early. And I'm more pissed about that fact rather than whatever they're planning to do for the story. And I like the idea of Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. It just, you know, reminds me of, oh, we're going to get Prince of Persia too. Hopefully not. So. All right, so on that note, I'm going to take another break and come back for my uh, last segment, which I'm going to be talking about the Star Trek shorts. Yes, yes, hello. Let's talk about the Flopcast. Every week, we give podcast listeners a chance to come and join us in Chicken Town, where we talk about Saturday morning cartoons, comics and science fiction conventions, music and concert reports, 70s and 80s pop culture, and for no good reason, chickens. Boy, we're weird. Oh, we are ridiculous. We're proud members of the ESO Network, and you can find us at Flopcast.net. All right, so this is an actual little bonus segment here, because normally I like to keep the podcast about like 20 to 30 minutes, but this is kind of within that range. But in any case, let's get started on the Star Trek shorts. Um... There were four of them that came out. First one was October 4th, 
November 8th, December 6th, and the most recent one was January 3rd. Now, I did not get to watch any of these shorts until just recently. So I kind of did it all in one day, which was kind of nice to have these little segments kind of build up towards the season premiere for uh, Star Trek Discovery. So the first one was called Runway. Runway. Was called Runaway. God damn it. And uh, so basically we get the first video with Ensign Tilly, who encounters a visitor on board of Discovery, which... Look, Tilly is probably one of my favorite characters on Star Trek. And one of the very few things that I enjoy about watching Discovery. The problem lies is that the way this all came out and how it all got wrapped up very shortly and neatly is like, this is fan fiction crap that I probably would have written and just had that kind of moment. And I think what bothers me more is the kind of rush to make Tilly more Tilly-ish um, in certain moments that I'm just like, you didn't need to try that hard. Tilly's an adorable and an interesting character that you can put on the screen and just let her be, but you're, you're just kind to cram all that Tilliness over one episode in like 15 minutes, and it, it kind of... It doesn't really work in that sense. Mind you, the, the whole story premise in the begin with is like how this creature gets on board and how no one indicates there's any presence on this ship and then Tilly's able to beam this creature back out. And I'm like, there are leaps of logic that goes out the door here, but even if you put that aside... It's just the interaction between Tilly and uh, the creature that she encounters. It was just a little too much over-the-top Tilly-ness. <laughs> That's a Tilly-ness. I made something funny. So, not exactly one of my favorites. So, eh. Now, the one that came out on November 8th is called Calypso. So, basically, we have a life pod drifting through space, which I'm like, hey, Ripley? Maybe. LV-426. How long have I been asleep? For 50 years. No, we're not doing that. We are getting uh, a gentleman named Kraft who basically is floating out of space and Discovery encounters this. And when I say Discovery encounters this, I mean the ship literally encounters this life pod. So he wakes up. There's no one on board. And it's just him talking to are now self-aware AI discovery ship. So it's been out there without a crew for over a thousand years and has been waiting there. So in the meantime, it had to do something and it became self-aware, it evolved, and it has kind of uh, an interesting relationship with Kraft in which he has kind of, you know, a, a shared... Um, relationship with the ship not like lando and alum not that kind of relationship but kind of like on a level of companionship and, and wanting to make a connection to i'm not the only one or i'm all alone out here there was a nice little um i want to say romance but a budding romance i'll just leave it at that 
And not that I say it was impossible for those two of them to, to merge together, but it was very elegant for, I think, about 18 minutes. If you're able to tell me an interesting story within those 18 minutes and made me figure out, wow, what happened to the crew? Um, I mean, what's going to happen to Kraft when he leaves? Does he make it home? I mean, there's just so much that to, to un peel basically from this little nugget that i'm just like i'm so into this one episode and has nothing to do with any people on the ship it's the actual interaction of the ship and this one person that the ship encounters so really surprised how well i enjoyed it and the amount of money they spent on just one episode i think it's like it's a lot of production value. It's not like, you know, in the first one where it's like Tilly's in the mess hall primarily and like maybe one or two scenes elsewhere that's nondescript. Here, they really kind of put some money and made the star superb, in my opinion. Um, the next one, The Brightest Star. So this one, we're going to get the backstory of Saru. Now, Saru also is one of my favorite characters and... When I heard about this backstory, or at least um, him looking to the stars and yearning to see what's out there, it kind of reminded me of a story that would happen with um, in Farscape, where Pilot um, was actually one of those creatures who wanted to go out into the stars and would get joined with Moya. But this is where it, that kind of similarity ends, and Saru was able to find a device that belonged to a group of creatures that call upon them to sacrifice themselves willingly, so to speak. Um, so Michelle, yeah, does make an appearance at the end because she is the one that gets the hail, so to speak. And she said that she went through so much red tape in order to make this first contact happen it, it kind of left things a little kind of unclear as to, well, yes, they are, they're not, they're a pre-war civilization. But aside from Saru making this device into a communicative device for him to talk to someone out there, is that enough to qualify them to be making first contact? So uh, I'll pose that question when I do talk to uh, hopefully Mr. Gene and tell me about that question. But I just thought that didn't qualify for me to say, hey, that's someone that needs to be on board the ship and take him away. So I didn't like the way it ended. But again, interesting enough to see where the, the backstory was for Saru. So lastly is the escape artist, and we're talking about Harry Mudd coming back. I actually thought this was probably one of the funniest moments for this incarnation of Harry Mudd that is reminiscent of the original uh, series Mudd, plus a dash of little not so much darkness, but the current version of Mud uh, portrayed by um, Rain Wilson. It, it seemed like the first time, the first couple of times we've met him, it seemed kind of dark and uh, not 
like a lovable scoundrel, but more like, you know, kind of off the deep end a couple times, just not the kind of mud that we all liked and love. <laughs> but in this one, oh my God, did I laugh out loud at how it all came together. That is a well-done short. So I was so happy the way it came out. And if they bring back mud, I hope they kind of keep in that tone uh, with the humor uh, and make it more beloved. It doesn't have to be this kind of homicidal maniac type of personality, but make him fun again. Because again, the tone of the show is a lot of seriousness, but he kind of makes it uh, lighter with his, with the levity that he can bring. So there's the first time I actually say, that's a good Harry Mudd. So, so out of the four, I would say two and a half or good. So Calypso gets a plus. The Escape Artist gets a plus. Brightest Star is a half for me. And Runaway, the weakest of the bunch, not my favorite. So there you have it. All right, folks, at the sound of the uh, blurring music in the background, night has fallen and it's uh, the sun is way down and i need to close up shop so on that note thank you very much for listening to me and to the monster sci-fi serial podcast it's sci-fi from a certain point of view good night This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.